A nice job title and a high salary isn't all that you need to make you happy. You need to do something that gives you energy and gives you joy and brings you happiness. And you're not going to get that no matter how high your salary is if you're not happy in what you're doing. Welcome to Career Relaunch, the podcast dedicated to helping you reinvent your career. My name is Joseph Liu, and I'm here to help you gain the clarity, confidence, and courage to overcome the challenges of changing career paths so you can do more meaningful work and truly enjoy your professional life. In each episode, I feature people who have decided to step off the beaten path to reinvent their careers and do work they find more fulfilling. We talk through their unique personal stories, the challenges they overcame, and the lessons they learned to help you understand what it takes to relaunch your own career. Today, my guest is going to share her story of relaunching her career as a teacher to become a marketing and PR executive. We're going to talk about why salary isn't the only key measure of your professional success and the importance of climbing the right ladder in your career. Afterwards, I'll talk about how I made my own decision to take a salary hit when I relaunched my own career. Today, I'm speaking with Alex Spencer, who started her career as an English lecturer teaching 16 to 18-year-olds at a further education college in England, but eventually changed career paths to become a PR and marketing executive at the online gift retailer PreziBox.com. On the side, she also freelances as a content writer and volunteers for Now You, a nonprofit organization helping to tackle some of the world's most pressing environmental and social problems. And she's also the mum to one. Now, you may recognize Alex's voice because she was the person who called in to share her story at the end of episode 76 featuring Tommy Kelly of Sound Drinks. In her voicemail, she mentioned that being good at something doesn't mean you necessarily have to stick with doing that as a career, and that the idea of starting over while scary shouldn't be the only thing that stops you from pursuing a career path that truly interests you. So I thought we could talk a little bit more about these topics because they do come up a lot with the career changers I cross paths with, and I hope you enjoy hearing more of her story today. You can get all the show notes from today's episode at careerrelaunch.net slash 78. Alex spoke with me from Dabisha, England. And for all the Brits out there, I'm very sorry. That is my best attempt at a British accent. Hey, Alex, at least I didn't say Derbyshire. Okay, good morning, Alex, and welcome to Career Relaunch. It is great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's great to be here. Thank you. So we got a lot to cover today. I definitely want to talk about your time as a teacher and how you made the shift into marketing, but I would love to start by just getting a glimpse into what is keeping you busy right now in your career and your life. So at home, I have a husband and a daughter who is only 16 months and she's just started walking. So she takes up an awful lot of time and energy and she's the most wonderful thing, but she is always on the go. So I'm surprised that I do have the energy to work alongside it. Somehow I managed to um, go to work for Prezi Box. So we're one of the leading online gift retailers in the UK and I work as a marketing and PR executive at Prezi Box. They are just a wonderful company to work for. I can't praise them highly enough. And I'm basically at the moment trying to focus on learning as much as I can about marketing, the broad sort of spectrum really of SEO, PR, social, content marketing. That's what I'm focused on at the moment, learning as much as I can. Okay. And for those people who are not super familiar with the geography of the UK, can you give a glimpse into where you're based and what your setup is there? 
So I live in the Midlands. I can say where it is, but nobody would ever heard of where I live because it's a very small town in the Midlands. So essentially, I live near to Derby, quite near to Birmingham and about two hours from London, just to give it some context. It's quite nice and quiet where we live in the Midlands. And then I work in Warwickshire, again, in the Midlands, in a converted farmhouse. And we actually have office dogs and goats, which is interesting, to say the least. Oh, wow. So you've got quite the scenic setup over there then. Yes, absolutely. It's certainly nowhere near a city and not the sort of typical office block that you would imagine. It's basically a farmhouse sort of um, down a country lane. We have a big field outside and that's where the office goats and dogs currently reside. Although we're not in the office at the moment still, we're going in a little bit, obviously, with the pandemic we were remote working we started going back in a little bit but not fully so we are all missing the animals quite a lot although they are being taken care of just in case anyone was was panicking about that <laughs> yeah interesting I've, I've heard of office dogs i have to say alec this is the first time i've ever heard of an office goat so yeah well, they- <laughs> check that out at some point. <laughs> we like to do things differently yeah I know you mentioned you're working in marketing and PR right now. I know you haven't always worked in that sector. Can we go back in time a little bit and start from the beginning? Can you tell us about your time as a teacher and what you were focused on, the types of students you were teaching at the time, and then we'll kind of go forward from there. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, I suppose my first sort of what people might say real job after university was I was a teacher, so I was teaching in a further education college in the UK. So 16 to 18 year olds who'd just left compulsory education and are going on to study whatever they would like to study. So engineering, travel and tourism, more vocational subjects, really. And it was my job to teach them English. So it's a strange one. I wasn't a teacher in the conventional sense. So the students I taught were the students that hadn't quite managed to get the grades that the government likes them to get, basically. So the equivalent of a C grade. So it was my job to teach them their English again essentially and so yeah it was very interesting because understandably as a 16 year old going into education finally being able to choose what you want to do and then to be told oh hang on a second you've got to do your English again to many of those 16 year olds that's quite frustrating understandably. And had you always wanted to become a teacher how did you get into the field of teaching? No, my life is just a series of falling into things. Thankfully, now that I've fallen into marketing, I've kind of realised that this is what I want to do forever and it's the best thing that ever happened. But in terms of teaching, um, in my interview, I was actually being interviewed for another position in the college and I mentioned that I might like to look into English teaching in the future. Fast forward not even 24 hours, I'd been offered a position as an English teacher. So yeah, it was something that was on my mind, but not something that I'd thought it's my life ambition. Okay. And you mentioned this is a further education college and that these are 16 to 18 year olds who were there learning English, but didn't necessarily want to be there learning English. Can you describe the student profile and the learning environment there? 
they were absolutely amazing young people I learned so much from them their resilience you know their thirst for learning was amazing it's just that again understandably they wanted to be there to learn their chosen vocation so they wanted to be there to learn you know engineering or there was like electrical apprenticeships and plumbing apprenticeships and all sorts of different vocational subjects that they were super interested in and they loved their subjects but again a requirement of doing those subjects was that they had to also if they hadn't got their c grade in english or maths actually they had to do english and maths again so they would go to their classes as usual so as normal you know go to their engineering classes or travel and tourism classes and then they would have a couple of hours with me per week so I don't think it's the couple of hours that they necessarily looked forward to but I did obviously try my best to sort of make it as engaging as possible or as much as you possibly can do obviously you have to follow the curriculum and you have to teach them to pass the exam ultimately so there's only so much you can do and so much flexibility there but I did try as much as I can because I feel like my personality you know I tried to sort of form a bond with them as much as I possibly could and I did sort of completely sympathize with their position you know explain to them that I understand how frustrating that it must be to be told okay go in that room now for two hours and do something you don't want to do especially at that age when you're a teenager and you're going into adulthood it's like you want that freedom and that autonomy and it felt like I was kind of taking that away from them so I almost felt guilty about doing it but I was obviously trying to help them in their future careers at the same time. And at what point did it occur to you that teaching may not be what you wanted to do the rest of your life? To be honest, it was actually quite soon into me working as a teacher, which sounds crazy because many people say, well, why didn't you just leave? And I totally understand that. But I think the idea of being labelled as what is often seen as a negative thing, so a job hopper or career hopper, I think that was what I was afraid of because I'd only just started it and thought, well, actually, I'm quite good at it. You know, I've got loads of support from my colleagues. So I thought, I've got to make this work. It's a respected profession. I know I'd have job security. So it was really difficult to know when was the right time. But I think really what I, in hindsight, probably should have done is is left sooner rather than later. But I was so obsessed with not being labelled a career hopper, which I now realise is silly because you spend more time at work than you do with your family in your life and you have to be happy with your job. So quite soon, but it did take me a couple of years to make the leap. And what was it like for you during those couple years when you knew you weren't in the right vocation but you couldn't quite bring yourself to move on to something else it's really hard and anyone who's in the same position will know how hard it is because it's a constant battle of wills like what is the right thing to do do you stay and especially if you've got what is seen by society as a respected career and a safe career and a secure career do you stay and again with the salary you know I had a decent salary so it wasn't just the job title that I'd be giving up it was the salary as well so It was just a constant battle of what do I do? Do I try and stick it out? Is it going to get easier for me? I knew it wasn't right. It didn't feel right, even though I was, like I say, I feel like I worked so hard to be a good teacher. It just never felt right. And I knew pretty much straight away that it wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, but other sort of factors and I guess pressure or the pressure that I thought I might face from other people sort of stopped me from doing that until I started to do freelance copywriting work on the side and that's when everything changed 
yeah, let's shift gears. Let's talk a little bit about that. So you started doing copywriting on the side. How did you get into that? And how did you find your clients? The link between English teaching and marketing is actually quite strong because what you're doing is creating content all the time for your students. And, you know, you have to show them not only how to write fiction, but how to write nonfiction. So we did a lot of creating marketing sort of leaflets and bits and bobs like that and adverts. So I loved that. And I thought, hang on a second. I love doing this. As much as I love the students as well, I thought this creating content and writing is surely there's got to be something in this. Maybe this is something that I need to focus on. So I started to freelance as a copywriter thinking, well, if nobody hires me, that's fine. It's not my full-time job. But I went on Upwork and actually started speaking to a lovely lady who I thought, oh my gosh, she's willing to pay me to write. This is crazy. And, you know, I did some content for her blog. And then basically that's how it started. So I got a couple more clients and thought people are paying me to do this. Maybe it's something that I can do full time because that was the job that was giving me energy rather than taking it from me. I think if you're coming home from work every day, feeling burnt out and feeling lethargic and so tired, it's definitely a sign that things are not quite right. You mentioned Upwork. And I'd like to talk about that for just a second for people who are not familiar with Upwork. So Upwork is one of the many online freelancer marketplace platforms out there. And there are, I guess, wow, tens of thousands of freelancers on these sites. How did you get started on Upwork? Like, how did you build up your profile? Did you just literally put up a headshot and then put up a quick description of yourself? Could you just give a glimpse into how you got started on that sort of a platform? It is really daunting, actually, certainly, because when you go on it, like you say, you realise how many thousands of freelancers you're kind of competing with. And I'd never been paid to write before. So what I did, I'd obviously built up quite a sort of portfolio almost by creating content for my students. So I kind of used that basically as a portfolio and put some work up. And I think finding your niche is a really good way of going about it. So I was really interested in sort of like healthy eating and healthy living. So that's the angle that I went down and I searched for jobs that would involve creating content around that topic because it was something that I was genuinely interested in. That's how I found my first client. And I think the fact that in my proposal to her, I explained that enthusiasm. She said that that's why I stood out because I didn't just say, oh, well, I really like writing. Can I write for you? I said, I really like writing. Can I write for you? I really like the subject that your blog is about. And I think I can add a lot of value to it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I guess the temptation when you're just getting started on these platforms, Alex, is to try to be everything to everyone. But actually, by being more specific, it's easier for people to understand what to do with you. And it's easier to stand out because I guess as somebody myself who's hired people on Upwork, I'm definitely looking for specialists who focus on a particular area. So that's a good point about that. I also want to talk a little bit about how you went from this freelance work into the work you're doing right now. And I know before we started recording, you kind of walked me through this process, but can you just tell me how you uncovered this opportunity to work more full-time in marketing? After sort of maybe a couple of months of freelancing, it wasn't very long at all. I started to look into full-time jobs thinking, okay, well, I might have to take a pay cut, but I love doing it. And like I said before, it's something that gives me energy and makes me happy and makes me smile rather than 
taking my energy from me. I thought there's got to be something, you know, someone's got to give me a shot, even though I've got no experience. Yes, I might be starting at the bottom of the ladder again, but for me, it was completely worth it. So I started to look into jobs and I saw this position as a copywriter at Prezibox. Where did you find the ad? Was it just on their website or? Just on Indeed, actually. Okay. So job recruitment platform. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I'd not really looked at many, but Indeed was just one of the first ones that I looked at and looked for. And a lot of copywriter positions actually were in London. And because I live two, two and a half hours away from London, that is just not something that I could do. There's no way I could commute to London, even though that's where all the jobs were and there was no way of me moving there. I was a bit hesitant about changing careers because I thought, well, there can't be that many marketing positions in the Midlands, but little did I know there's plenty. So I saw this copywriter position and instead of just sending over a CV, which is what it actually asked for, I actually wrote, so Prezibox is an online gift retailer, so we sell lots of awesome gifts. So I went on the site and I actually did some product descriptions for some of the products that were on the site, sent them over to the managing director and he gave me an interview because I was the only one that had done that basically. So I'd gone above and beyond and it's obviously not something that everyone has time for. But if you can go above and beyond, obviously, of course that's going to make you stand out. So that's how I got the interview. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think it can be very daunting to try to approach a job application process as somebody who doesn't necessarily come from that more traditional linear background. And then you're going into the interview itself trying to sell yourself as somebody who can take on this role. Can you tell us a little bit about the interview and how that went for you? Yeah, it is very daunting, isn't it? Very daunting, unless you've got lots of years of experience. Like you say, you're going into a room and saying, hi there, I haven't done this before, but yeah, I promise I could do it. You know, (laughs) it's a very bizarre situation, especially for graduates. That's just normal. But because I'd been out of uni for a few years, I was really... Yeah, it was a difficult thing to do, to be honest, to, to start again. But yeah, the interview was amazing. And Prezibox is a very informal, sort of family-friendly environment. So it wasn't what I was expecting at all. So I arrived dressed very formally with my portfolio in hand and my degree certificate and all my qualifications thinking okay well I don't know what this is going to be but I'll be prepared and it was just more like a chat the managing director was just amazing he was so funny he made me feel so at ease yeah and it was the most fun I've ever had in an interview and I got my degree certificate and said oh you know don't see it and he just wasn't interested not in a negative way (laughs) it's just that he valued enthusiasm more than pieces of paper In fact, our chief operations officer at the moment, he didn't have any qualifications in marketing. He sort of started at the bottom at Prezibox and worked his way right to the top. So, yeah, there at Prezibox, it is more about you as a person and what you can bring to the company. They're not so bothered about your qualifications. So what happened after the interview? They sort of said they they were really interested in taking me on, but that was for a temporary position, actually. I forgot to mention that. So that would have been a temporary role for three months. So I was having to make this really big decision. Okay, do I leave this secure, permanent job that I'm quite good at? 
and I think I would have, you know, had job security there. Do I leave that and do I leave this respected profession to do something that my family didn't even know? My family didn't understand what copywriting was, which is fair because I don't think I really understood when I was at university or when I was younger what copywriting and marketing was either. But, you know, do I leave that secure job to do a temporary role and taking a big pay cut as well, about £10,000 less it was than this job. So, yeah, it was a difficult one. And me and my husband had lots of long chats about it, thinking, can we make this work? Is it the right decision? Is it sensible? And to be honest, it wasn't sensible, but we made it work and I did it anyway. And yeah, the rest is history. And now I'm still there. <laughs> I see. So you're talking about some pretty major, I guess, trade-offs to consider there, which is permanent to temporary. You mentioned a major pay cut. What ultimately tipped the scales for you to decide that, yeah, I want to do this? It's a really tricky one because not everybody is in the position to take a massive pay cut. So it's not something that everyone can do. But if you are in a position to take a pay cut for something that you genuinely enjoy, it's the best thing that I've ever done. Of course, you have to adapt, you know, in terms of your lifestyle if you're taking a big pay cut. But if you are happy when you get home from work and if you are doing a job that brings you joy, the two don't compare. And Also, you are going to progress salary-wise and in terms of your position much quicker in a career that you enjoy than a career that you're just forcing to make work. So that's what I was doing with teaching. I was forcing it to work. Whereas with this job, I just want to learn everything and I want to progress and I want to do this for the rest of my life. So I've now worked my way up back up to my previous salary. I think you could do that much easier if you are doing something that you really enjoy. I know that a lot of people, Alex, when they're thinking about making a move a few years after already investing some time into one career, are very fearful of this idea that I think you've referred to of starting again or starting over. Can you just explain what was that like for you to start again in a career, knowing that actually this is the career that you wanted to do, but I'm just curious what that experience was like for you to quote unquote, start over again? It is very difficult because... Oh, the clues in the question, you are starting again. It was different for me because I'd only been doing teaching for a couple of years, but I imagine it's even harder if you've got an established career and you've been there for however many years. It is never, ever too late to change. It is never too late to do something that you want to do. It's never too late to try something new. I find it difficult because when this age of social media where everybody shares everything, it was quite tough sort of seeing my peers maybe move up the ladder quicker than I was because... Of course, I'd started again. So that was quite tough. But at the end of the day, it all comes back to I was going home happy. I was going home not burnt out. I was going home thinking, okay, I didn't have the Sunday night dread anymore, which is what a lot of people experience. I enjoyed being at work. I enjoyed spending time with my colleagues. It's just a completely different experience. And I've said this before, and I I say it so much because it's so true. You do spend more time at work than you do in many instances with your family and your friends and life is way too short to be going to a job every day that you don't enjoy or that burns you out or that makes you stressed or it's just not worth it and this (laughs) this is a strange quote to pull out but I was actually watching the UK version of The Office recently and Tim (laughs) Tim was speaking about his career change and he actually said it's better to be at the bottom of a ladder you want to climb than halfway up one that you don't and I feel like that's a perfect sort of analysis of well any career change really it's better to be at the bottom of the ladder that you want to move up of course it is 
That's actually a good segue, Alex, into the last topic I was hoping to cover with you before we wrap up with what you're focused on right now at PreziBox, but just some of the lessons that you've learned along the way and just your experience of relaunching your career. And before we start recording, you had mentioned something to me about a topic that I think relates to what you just mentioned, which is that your job doesn't feel like work anymore to you. What does it feel like to you? That's an amazing question. It definitely doesn't. I mean, PreziBox are wonderful. We have a fantastic work-life balance. We have very achievable targets. We're all working as a team. If we have a struggle, we can just ask our manager and we'll have that support straight away. And I'm not just saying that. It is genuinely true. If I want to do a bit outside of work, then I will. I don't have to. But if I want to, then I, you know, because it does make me happy. Like this morning, I was writing a blog about our PreziBox staff's favourite funny films. And it's just things like that. It's just like, it doesn't feel like work. It just feels like like I'm back at teaching and creating content again but that was the bit of that job that I enjoyed so it has changed my life completely my husband actually was experiencing a similar thing in his job and because of my career change he did something similar within his work and so his work-life balance has completely changed and we're just it has a, a knock-on effect with your home life definitely we are both just so much happier now so much less stressed I can't stress enough how important it is to change if you need to change and if you're in a position to change your career whether that's because you're stressed or burnt out or whatever it is it doesn't matter the reason if you're in a position to do so you have to do it you just have to do it because it can change your life completely and it can change your home life as well what was something that you were stuck on when you were pondering the career change that you felt you ultimately had to overcome to move forward one of the biggest things that was stopping me was because I am really terrible at comparing myself with other people. Again, I think because social media really bombards you with people, which is wonderful, people being so successful and moving up the ladder and all this success, which is fantastic, but it can make you feel inferior and it can make you feel a bit vulnerable in terms of your position. So I certainly had to sort of just ignore the fact that I would be behind in terms of if I compared myself to some of my peers of the same age. And then once I did that and thought, well, you have 40 years or more of working, I've got plenty of time to move up because I am ambitious and I do want to progress. But what's the point of doing that in something that you're not happy you're not happy with and in a career that you're not happy with? So once I'd sort of silence the little voices in my head that were saying oh you can't do that because then you'll be behind well what does that mean everyone's on a different journey and everyone takes different paths and you should never compare yourself to other people because that ultimately will hold you back i catch myself doing that and have done that throughout my career especially during times when i'm thinking about changing careers is to you know you just go onto like linkedin and you scroll through and you see who's getting promoted and (laughs) which new job they've landed at, which amazing company. And for those people out there, and I'm one of those people who are stuck on this very common barrier of comparing yourself to others and wanting to keep up with their peers, any advice that you have for people on how to let that go and how to silence that comparison voice inside your head? 
from a practical perspective, I think taking a break from social media is the first thing to do if you're considering a career change. Because if you're on LinkedIn every day, like you say, which it's fantastic and it's lovely to celebrate people's success, but again, it can make you feel really insecure. So I think if you're considering that change, come off of LinkedIn for a while. Don't go on it. Try to stay away from social media in general. Obviously, unless your job depends on it, try to stay away from it to sort of clear your head and say, well, it doesn't matter what they're doing. It only matters what I'm doing. And also, I have known in the past some people who, you know, have fantastic job titles and great salaries, but ultimately are not happy with their job and what they're doing. And so that high salary and job title doesn't make up for that. It's not a good trade-off. I would much rather be, and I think most of us would much rather be stable financially. Of course, you have to be able to afford what you need to afford, but you'd much rather have a lower salary and a better work-life balance and be happier at work when you spend eight hours plus there a day than having a fancy job title just so that others look at you and say, oh, that's a fancy job title. You can't compare the two. So I think practically coming off of LinkedIn and coming off of anything that makes you compare yourself to other people is my first piece of advice. And secondly, remember that a nice job title and a high salary isn't all that you need to make you happy. You need to do something that, like I said before, gives you energy and gives you joy and brings you happiness. And you're not going to get that no matter how high your salary is if you're not happy in what you're doing. All right. Well, that is great advice. And I would love to wrap up, Alex, with what you're doing right now and would really just enjoy hearing a little bit more about what you're up to, both in your role at Prezi Box. And also, can you just give us a sampling of the types of things that you guys sell over there? I've been on your website <laughs> myself, and there's a very interesting array of products you have on there. Yeah, absolutely. So at the moment, we're, as you might expect, because we're a gift company, we are gearing up to the busiest time of year. So it's actually, it's already getting busy in terms of Christmas gifts. So we do about 50% of our sales during Christmas. So sort of on the run up to Christmas. So things are super busy right now. We've just come back from an event in London from a press event where we've met with lots of journalists and wonderful influencers. And we are just gearing up with our Christmas strategy So we're trying to gear up for this really, really busy time of year right now. In terms of what I'm doing specifically, we're looking at PR campaigns that we can push out for Christmas. And also we're doing a lot of copywriting because we're adding a lot of Christmas products to the site. But like you say, we do have some pretty awesome stuff. We do like putting names and faces on things. So we have like a personalised Toblerone. We have a personalised jar of Marmite for anyone outside of the UK. It's a very divisive food, Marmite is. I would urge you to try it if you can. You either love it or you hate it. And yeah, so that's what we're doing at the moment. Things are getting very busy. All right. Very cool. And I would definitely encourage people to check out some of the products you have. I browsed around on your joke and novelty gifts and uh, I spent probably <laughs> more time than I would have thought I would spend just browsing through that page. You got a lot of really interesting products on there. So I definitely recommend people check out Prezi Box. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for telling me about your life as a teacher and your shift into the freelance and then the full-time marketing world and also just the importance of doing work that brings you joy energy and happiness. So best of luck with your marketing and PR role there at Prezi Box. And also I hope the upcoming holiday season goes well for you guys. (laughs) Me too. Thank you so much, Joseph. It's wonderful to speak to you. Thank you. 
So I hope you heard some useful insights from Alex about being specific about what you're looking to do next, the importance of climbing the right ladder, and the fact that job titles and salary aren't everything. Now it's time to wrap up with today's Mental Fuel, where I'm gonna share an example of a couple times when I took a hit to my own salary in the service of more important things. Before we get to today's Mental Fuel, I'd like to thank Grammarly for supporting this episode of Career Relaunch. Built by linguists and language lovers, Grammarly's writing app finds and corrects hundreds of complex writing errors so you don't have to. And as a Career Relaunch listener, you can download Grammarly for free by going to getgrammarly.com relaunch. This is the part of the show called Mental Fuel, where I finish the show with a brief personal story related to one of the topics we covered today and wrap up with a simple challenge to help you move forward with your own career goals. And for today's Mental Fuel, since Alex has been talking about this topic of salary and how salary isn't the only thing that should matter when making career choices, I thought I'd share a couple instances in my own career when doing the things I really wanted to do in my life and career meant taking some hits to my salary. So first off, I want to say that I'm aware that money does matter. First, in terms of status. In my former life in the corporate world, I was very used to salary being used as a measuring stick or as sort of an implicit or explicit measure of your worth, success, or value as a professional. I still remember when I was researching business schools, they actually list out MBA graduates' salaries as a metric you could use to evaluate the attractiveness of a school. I'm also aware that money matters in terms of just making ends meet. Sometimes you just don't have the luxury to take a salary hit. We've all got bills to pay. You may have kids you've got to support. You've probably got mortgage payments or rent to keep up with. So for many of us, having a certain salary is what's literally keeping the roofs over our heads. So with that disclaimer out of the way, I do want to share a couple moments in my own life when I decided that sacrificing a bit of salary was worth it. Although to be clear, my resulting situation was still within the realm of being financially workable. So the first moment happened after I finished my MBA, when I landed my first big corporate marketing role at Clorox, a consumer goods company in the Bay Area. Now, this was between 2007 and 2010, so this was pre-Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Uber IPO, and although San Francisco wasn't quite as expensive as it is right now in 2021, the city wasn't exactly a cheap place to live even then. I was actually really happy with my salary at Clorox, and in fact, it was the highest salary I'd had in my life up until that point. So the idea of letting go of that salary wasn't exactly easy for me. But I did it when I moved to the UK to be closer to my then-girlfriend, now-wife, who was based here. When I eventually took a comparable marketing role in the UK, my total compensation was roughly half of what it was when I was at Clorox. And I was living in London, which at the time felt at least as expensive, if not more expensive, than San Francisco. And I remember that salary hit really bugging me, pretty much on a daily basis. Another instance was when I actually left my corporate marketing role at General Mills to become self-employed, where my salary initially dropped to levels closer to what I was earning way back during some of my first jobs after college. So that was tough to stomach. I remember it really affected my professional self-confidence and even feelings of self-worth. And I remember feeling pretty down about it. 
That was actually the year after we got married, which was the same time I needed to apply for my permanent residency in the UK so I could stay in the country, which as a self-employed individual requires you hit a certain income threshold in order to qualify. And even though that threshold wasn't that high, I wasn't sure I was going to hit that in my first year of my business. So that was a bit stressful, to say the least. I guess I'm sharing this with you because in both cases, I'll admit that the salary hit was one of the main sources of stress. And to be completely honest, borderline embarrassment for me. So I know how hard it can be to see your salary drop. However, what I tried to remind myself of at the time was that even though I was dropping down in the rungs of the salary ladder, as Alex mentioned, I would at least be climbing back up a ladder that enabled me to invest my energy into things I truly cared about that more than offset that salary drop. In the first case, moving to the UK allowed me to be closer to my girlfriend, whom I eventually married and built a life with. In the second case, I moved from marketing products I didn't really consume much of myself to creating my own business and brand doing work that I felt would give me the chance to have the kind of professional impact I really wanted. And although it did take time, like literally years, my salary now happens to comfortably exceed what I was earning before in the corporate world. And part of the reason I think that happened is because it's just easier to put more energy and effort into something you care more about, which allows you to then achieve better professional results. So the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because I know that money matters. And in talking with many career changers, I also know that money is one of the number one barriers that may stop you from making a leap, either due to practical constraints or the psychological impact or both. Money is important and you do need a certain amount of it in order to feel comfortable and content. At the same time, I do agree with Alex's sentiment about money's limits in being able to create the happiness, fulfillment, and energy that typically only comes when you're doing work you truly enjoy. This brings me to that quote Alex mentioned that I thought was worth saying again from episode six in season one of BBC's The Office. And this was when Tim was given Dawn some advice when she was thinking about changing careers. It's better to be at the bottom of a ladder you want to climb than halfway up one you don't. So my challenge to you, if you're thinking about making a career change, but a potential salary drop is what's standing in your way, is not to suddenly completely drop the idea of earning a salary that enables you to feel comfortable and happy, but to get crystal clear on what exact temporary salary decrease you could stomach, both practically and psychologically, that won't have a significant impact on your ability to do the important things you want to do. What is that exact figure? Do the math and write it down. And maybe seeing that number can help you clarify exactly what is and is not possible when considering your next move. Before we wrap up today, I just wanted to share this voice message from Latoya in Delaware. Hi, Joseph. My name is Latoya Russell. Well, a career change that I made was when I quit my corporate job. I left that job to start my online service provider business. And that quickly moved into not only consultancy, but me starting my virtual assistant training school and teaching service providers how to master tech and automation. 
one of the big lessons that I learned along the way was really listening to myself and not letting people and voices in my head become louder than the mission and the path that I was on because people will doubt you and they will doubt you a lot. So a lot of the things that I heard on my journey, especially when I told family members and friends that I was quitting my job, was really, I was in managerial, so I was getting a great salary. It was, oh my God, you're going to leave your job to go and do something uncertain. And had I listened to them, I would have backed out of going on a mission to become successful in my own way, in my own right, and following my path and following my dreams. So when you're changing directions, you really have to be confident in yourself and believe in yourself and know that you can't listen to all the voices in your head. Well, thank you so much, LaToya, for sharing your thoughts with us, which definitely relates to some of the things Alex mentioned about trying to focus on what you want and to find a way to block out all the extraneous voices out there, both your own and others. It sounds like you managed to do that, and I hope this move you made and your work continues to be rewarding. If you feel like sharing your own story of career change or advice on the show with other listeners considering a career change, I'd welcome you leaving me a message at careerrelaunch.net slash 78, where you can find highlights from my chat today with Alex and learn more about PreziBox. Again, that's careerrelaunch.net slash 78. Thanks so much for listening to Career Relaunch and a very special thanks to Alex Spencer for sharing your personal story with us today. We wish you all the best with your PR and marketing role at PreziBox and hope the holiday season is a big success for your company. This episode was mixed by Liam McKenzie. Our music was curated by Jonathan Rinaldi Pohl and the Career Relaunch theme song was written and performed by Electrocardiogram. I'm Joseph Liu and I'll talk to you next time.